Hello, this is Sean Harwell. You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast, episode 37.5, a mini episode, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and companion in life. (laughs) Uh, Craig Moorhead, Sean's confidant, mentor, guru, squire, uh, jack of all trades. Uh, So we're here with a mini episode where we just talk about general things in the movie biz, TV, things that's going on in the world. Yeah, if you haven't had a chance to check out episode 37, we talked about In the Heat of the Night, obviously a movie pretty much everybody's heard of, but one we had not seen until we did it for this podcast. Craig, I actually, I started reading one of the other Virgil Tibbs books. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really good. It does not take place anywhere near Mississippi, <laughs> but uh, I'll keep you posted on that. I'm enjoying it so yeah, far. But uh, yeah, go check that out. You can uh, visit our website, neverheardpodcast.com. Find all the episodes, all the links to all our other social sites, and uh, yeah, just join that party. Word. So the last time we did one of these, we talked about sort of a year in recap of stuff that we had hoped to see before the either end of the year or just, you know, before the end of the sort of like movie season of 2016, mm-hmm. which will probably more or less end with the Oscars. How'd you do on watching any of those? Did you, did you find some time to, to scratch a couple names off the list? I didn't. Uh, most of the break, if uh, we watched any movies, it was movies that kids wanted to watch. Frosty? Did you do Rudolph? Uh, we did Frosty and Rudolph. Uh, this year, the, the yeah. big one was uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, which I haven't seen in a long time. And I have to say, uh, I haven't either. certainly animation-wise, it's kind of nice to watch that. Like they, they definitely put some money behind that. And interesting to note, John Lasseter is one of the uh, really? producer or something on it. Yeah. From his pre-Pixar days, I'm guessing. Yeah. Very, very pre. Yeah, so that was probably my big watch. Uh, for the whole time. What about you? Well, you know, I didn't do a lot of the holiday stuff, although I will say um, there is a, a half-hour film on Amazon called Snowy Day, which is an adaptation of a book. Um, oh, yeah. I think it's been around since, like, the 60s or mm-hmm. something like that. Solid. Really good. My daughter probably watched that four times. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it. It's got an original Boys to Men song, and sort of the members are kind of animated Unexpected. in it. and. Unexpected. Unexpected and delivers everything <laughs> that you want from the Boys to Men catalog. It's great. Is it End of the Road? Is that the song? It is, that no, it's original. Yeah. It's new. It's two. It's Snowy Day. It's 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 a, okay. it's you will watch that movie and you will be humming that song. Oh, I'll definitely watch it, yeah. But as far as adult stuff, yeah, I did pretty well actually. I mean, for me, you know, I, I get some some screeners through the guilds, so that helps it a little does. bit. But I'll just I'll just run like I, I kept a list. Yeah. So here we go. Yeah. Knight of Cups. Hail Caesar, La La Land, Rogue One, Moonlight, Finding Dory, The Girl on the Train, Green Room. I also watched, not from last year, rewatched McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Still awesome. Yeah. I don't know if that, that was, I don't know if there was a jury out on that. <laughs> Still awesome. And uh, a Russian movie called The Cranes Are Flying, which is from the director of I Am Cuba and the same cinematographer. And this is 1957. And holy cow, the tracking shots. We might have to do an episode on this one. Great. Uh, if you're not familiar with that. It, it, it's, there's some insane camera work. So if you're a camera nerd, go check this out. Uh, you and I have talked a little bit about Rogue One. We're not going to do a review or anything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think that was a really enjoyable theater experience. Sure. I saw that uh, in 3D, no less, oh, wow. on the day that Carrie Fisher died. Yeah, so we won't spoil anything because that's still floating around if anybody hasn't seen that yeah. or not. But um, that's a fun theater experience. I gotta say, like from from the list of, of things that I watched, Moonlight really really delivered for me. Mm-hmm. There's I don't know what's going on in that movie. It's a teeny tiny character drama. 
I didn't know any of the cast. They're all fantastic. It looks amazing. Definitely seek that out. I think it's it's living up to the hype for me. And then uh, I'd say another like really big surprise for me that's connected to Star Wars. I, I liked Hell Caesar a lot, sure. but man, Alden Ehrenreich, the kid that's playing young Han Solo, he steals that movie. And, and really? that movie could have been him. Oh my god! Like he killed me. <laughs> I mean, he plays this like. Texas yokel who was a horse wrangler who just got into like somebody noticed that <laughs> and gave him a line in one of the movies right. and then he sort of like fell into the studio system became a star and like he is hysterical like he's fantastic so I think that's really worth checking out you know we talked about I think that was the one that I was most embarrassed or felt ashamed of not having watched right. yet yeah I, I liked it I think more than the general maybe response was I gotta say though Knight of Cups was the most disappointing of that list for me Fair enough. Boy, didn't that's yeah. That's a it just didn't 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 connect with me, man. That's a letdown, you know? and and that's that's interesting because it seems like one of the more accessible movies of his, at least from what I've heard of the premise. Yeah, I mean the premise is really, yeah, it's easy to wrap your head around. And I loved Tree of Life. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in that camp, but this one didn't click for me. I just read today he's got the next one is coming out pretty soon, so I'll set in the Austin music scene. So uh, yeah. I'm hoping that one will kind of kind of click a little bit more for me. Well, I was going to say, um, because I, I, I feel a little shy about mentioning two movies that I watched only because I really only watched half of them over the break. I think that counts. Uh, okay, fine. Well, then in that case... We can do that. Yeah, let's do it. So I, I, I sort of watched The Jungle Book, the new one, out of the corner of my eye. Oh, yeah. From what I saw, I do have to say, like I, I think they did a pretty fantastic job with the with the animals and and all the uh, all that stuff, I mean the, the story seems to be pretty well told. But I mean, like I said, I was I was checking in and out of it. But I will say, for those who are familiar with the animated version, I think the ending of this movie is much better. Like the way it all ends up Good in this know. movie is is uh, much better than the animated version. Uh, so uh, check that I, out. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember the original animated ending. It's only because like our, my kids are watching it. You know, probably once every yeah. other week, and and the, the original <laughs> ends with uh, Mowgli like wandering off into a village because he sees like a cute girl on the bank of a you know creek and she bats her eyes at him and he runs after her, and mm-hmm. and then he's off and then you know Baloo and. Uh, uh, the panther are like, oh, well, that's the way it goes, and they take off. Definitely check out the movie. Check out the new one and see how yeah, that every, ends. Everybody dies at the it's, end it's, one, it's, right? uh, it's the saddest. But you feel complete, It's the saddest right? Disney like movie it's what all. had yeah. to happen. Oh, yeah. Well, it's what would happen if a young boy wandered into the jungle. Let's face it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to make the sequel really interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> one thing I read today, which... We'll segue to this. Was the annual release of Steven Soderbergh's list of things that he watched mm-hmm. and read over the course of the year? And I know I saw it last year. I maybe saw it the year before. Yeah, I think I did see it the year before. Well, so he's been doing this for a couple of times, and we'll put the link up on our Facebook page. I just love looking. I don't know what it is. Like it's just fun to look at, like what a director did, and like yeah. he's pretty much every day watching something. Yeah, and quite frequently there's a lot of double features i also love that like 
on January 5th last year, he watched The Wild, Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, which if you know anything about that amazing documentary, <laughs> like it doesn't necessarily strike you as something that Soderbergh would just sit down and, and put right. on. Same with like, you know, the Triumph, the Insult Comic Dog election specials. I know we're on there. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on that or not, but it looked like he kind of went through most of David Fincher's catalog over the year. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that. And just looking through it, uh, you know, so so a part of me was wondering, do you think that what he's saying here, I mean, is he watching everything beginning to end? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good that would be a good question to to try and get to the bottom yeah. of. Several times it looks like he's watching like two or three movies in a day. Oh yeah. And and which is certainly not impossible, but at the same time I'm just like how how are you doing? Well, and like <laughs> yeah, on Christmas Day apparently he watched Rogue One and The Godfather Part 2, which that's a pretty yeah. hefty movie day, especially for Christmas. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and think about this. And, and and I don't know exactly what Logan Lucky is. I don't know if that's a Craig, that is it is it's his next feature. Okay. Yeah. He talked about retiring from movies. I thought the same thing. I was like he's watched this like 6 times this year. What is this? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's made a movie and get this like it's a heist movie that somehow takes place at a NASCAR race in North Carolina, starring Daniel Craig and, uh, of course, Adam Driver. So yeah. I'm there. Like, how could that? Oh, happen? sure. Well, I, <laughs> pretty. I, cool. I was going to say, like, looking at this. So it, it says uh, on August 24th, begin principal photo- photography on Logan Lucky, and then by September 2nd, he watches uh, two movies. The next day, he watches another movie. You know, it's, it's just like well, I don't. I don't know how. Maybe it only took a week to shoot Logan Lucky, but. Uh, <laughs> But I'm just like, how do you how do you have the time to watch <laughs> I'm guessing this much it didn't. stuff? Yeah, I don't know. What I know about the guy is that he doesn't sleep. Like, yeah. it, there was a great, um, I think Hollywood Reporter article or something where it just talked about like while he was filming the Nick, you know, which he's shooting himself yes. and directing, and literally gets in the, the car that picks him up after, at the set. He's got a laptop waiting, and he starts editing, you know, on the way back to his apartment or condo or wherever he's right. staying. Yeah, he's he's a he's a lifer. He's he's dedicated. He really is, man. I, I there's no way I could. I, I feel like that that I could actually uh, keep up with this. Like if I was watching this like just no, every day, it's like impossible. yeah, I don't have time to watch the verdict and all the president's men back to back. He also I noticed read the book Stanley Kubrick and Me by Emilio yes. de Alessandro, which we've talked about before, and which I think you finished not terribly well, long ago. Again, right? it's another thing I have not completely finished. But I've read oh, a, a, enough to talk about intelligently. Any any favorite moments so far? I mean, there's so many. There are uh, so many for me, anyway. How about I'll go, go first? I, one of my oh god, I don't know if I should. You can you can spoil things. This is a testament and like sort of an indication of exactly what their relationship was. And again, like Emilio started as a driver working transportation during Barry Lyndon or Clockwork Orange. I think tail end of Clockwork yeah. Orange, maybe. Yes. And then basically became his right-hand man for years and years and years. So there's like the great sequence in the book where Emilio finally comes in and is a nervous wreck and sits Stanley down and tells them that he's leaving, Mm -hmm. he's retiring in three years. (laughs) (laughs) He gives him a three years notice (laughs) and Kubrick's still does not <laughs> have a replacement. I mean, it's, that's just who yeah. he is. Like he just, he's still kind of like baffled and blindsided by the day. Yeah. And, uh, it was that, that alone was like worth, a, <laughs> worth checking that out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a really cool glimpse into how Stanley's world worked, which the whole time I'm reading, I'm so torn between sort of being jealous of Emilio 
Because like if you yeah. if you're in that world, like you are a just a crucial part of it. Like there's no just mm-hmm. being the guy who sits in the front room and doesn't know anything that's going on. Like you are a crucial part of the whole like ecosystem there. But at the same time, like he's he's constantly working. Like there's never a time where he's not really on the clock one way or another. Like there's the, that great yeah. story where Emilio's wife is complaining because Stanley keeps calling their house to get him and he's tying up the line. <laughs> and so one day Emilio goes home and Stanley has, has put a new phone line in their house. Just put a new this, phone this in. Just for him. And, and um, I mean, yeah. that's you think about it, that's the solution. Right, you exactly. Problem, exactly. And that, that's, it would be so interesting. The, the, the two things that have stuck with me through the whole thing, whenever I'm telling somebody about the book, these are the two things that, that always jump out at me that I tell them about. One mm-hmm. is the thing about how Emilio uh, wants to uh, take up racing again. He used to be a race car driver, and you know he wants to go back to racing. Yeah. And he, he kind of flirts with it a little bit. But the entire time, Stanley is trying to talk him out of it because he thinks it's too dangerous and that he'll get hurt. And just just the mm. way he's so persistent. Like, this guy is worrying about massive films that take up his entire world. And yet he's still so concerned about whether or not Emilio will hurt himself if he continues to race car. Like, Well, and you, you do really get this sense. And, like, you know, I, I think... By the time Eyes Wide Shut came out, like all that, and certainly after he died, that mythology kind of got broken down a little bit. And you start, you know, it's like, yeah, he's a really gentle, yeah. caring person, actually. And like, you know, that some of the like stuff on set, it was more to the side of him that's just trying to get the movie yes. made. But boy, you really, you really see that in this book. And it's not just Emilio. It, no. it, it is like these, his cats, yeah. for the love of God. Yeah, he'll be so um, worried about the cats and just and yeah, just, just yeah. deeply, deeply concerned and worried about them to the point of being neurotic and, and like it reminded me of my grandmother. Like, there's something grandmotherly about like that persona that you get from that book. Yeah, but um, well, and, and it, a great yeah, and, and it's 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 that, and there's the the thing where I, you know one of the many times I feel like where they're talking about how he, you know, he, he takes so long to prepare a movie and will take mm-hmm. so long shooting it. And how it'll just start to really, you know, it'll really wear on the people working for him because it's it's just like you kind of never see a light at the end of the tunnel, and 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 you don't know right. you know what to do. And and there's one time Emilio confronts him about it, some specific instance where it's just like where where I think he's asking Emilio why another person who's working for him seems so upset, and Emilio's just like, well, you know, you've had him working over and over on this thing for so long, and and he <laughs> yeah. keeps going back and having to redo this thing over and over again, and. And Stanley's yeah. uh, response to that is, well, either you care or you don't. Yeah. And And like, yeah, again, that's, it's sort of so blind. It's a pretty hard line. <laughs> because it's like pe- people need yeah. to have their lives outside of this. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, if that's really his philosophy, he is seeing that through 100%. Stanley cared yeah. about the movies he was making. I mean, he cared about the people too, but he really cared about the movies he was making. You know, it's interesting, too, because you do sort of track the progression of him doing extended numbers of takes Mm -hmm. over the course of – because it wasn't always that way. But prior to that, it's still the sense that – you know, and I think he even – at, like there's something about him asking Spielberg, like, how the hell do you make a movie in one year? Like, why don't you take longer than that to do the research? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's that's his thing. It's like, you know, I I think – the stuff that he really kind of cared about was all those details that go way beyond just that legend yeah. of 
doing 50, 50 takes with Shelley Duvall. Right. Excited to see what you think when you get to the wow. end of it, because uh, yeah, there's some some sad stuff ahead. But <laughs> it ends on a it ends on a very positive note. That's probably a decent seg- segue to just I, I wanted to mention a podcast that is new to me mm-hmm. over the holiday, and that is the DGA's podcast called the Director's mm-hmm. Cut. And I think if you search for DGA podcast or the Director's Cut, you should be able to find it. Basically, they are recording some of the Q&A sessions they do with directors at their sort of guild events and releasing them as podcasts. And Craig, Mm -hmm. they start off kind of weak with Spielberg talking about Bridge of Spies with Martin Scorsese. But, you know, you got to cut up some slack. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to get good guests until later, probably. (laughs) Right. It's amazing. And, like, I wanted to go back. I was like, God, I've got to go back and watch that movie. Uh, That's a great discussion. I listened to... Uh, this one was crazy too. Uh, they had Adam McKay talking about the Big Short with Paul Thomas Anderson, oh, man. who I found out was originally attached as a producer to Anchorman, oh, which is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's a great discussion right now. I'm listening to uh, Tom McCarthy talk about Spotlight. I'm literally downloading these right now while you're talking. You got to, yeah. This I mean, they're amazing. great, and like they. Yeah, recently had um, Damien Chazelle, uh, who did La La Land, is talking with John Favreau. So, uh, you know, I mean, they're getting like amazing directors to lead the Q and A with these other amazing directors. So, it, it's a definite must listen if you're a fan. Oh my gosh! At all, I think I'm going to stop listening to ours and just listen to this one. You know, I can't yeah. blame you. I can't blame yeah. you. Now, are you still going to record this one? I might, but I'll probably be listening to it while we're recording. Okay. So no yeah, it'll just be me commenting on how great the, <laughs> the episode is. You know, we'll, we'll wrap this up here by saying I, I think maybe we will we'll, we'll kill off our, our box office weekly challenge, at least for a little yeah. while. It's sort of a slow time of year right now anyway, and, and Rogue One is, is basically yeah, there's yeah, no, all, the, yeah. all that matters at the box office yeah. right now. Agreed. But I did. Th- I, I thought maybe we would look just briefly at the top ten movies in the U.S. box office mm-hmm. for 2016 and where they kind of landed. Because I think you and I both were a little surprised that Finding Dory came out uh, number one. Yeah, a little surprise, sure. Uh, it's not the biggest surprise in the world, but uh, it was one that I kind of forgot. I mean, I guess it opened in June, so it's, yeah. it's been a while, and and I haven't seen that one strangely enough. So. Yeah, it was kind of off my radar, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I can see that. I think I think Rogue One will probably close in on it here uh, in a couple weeks, maybe. But but yeah, but yeah. So let's well just real quickly. Finding Dory was number one. Rogue One, uh, Star Wars ended up at number two. Mm-hmm. Captain America: Civil War three, Secret Life of Pets, Jungle Book, Deadpool, Zootopia, Batman vs Superman, Suicide Squad, and Doctor Strange. Lots of comic book stuff there. The one thing I kind of wanted to point out is, man, I, I don't know what you do about Disney other than just completely bow down to them at this yeah. point because they own Pixar, they own Marvel, and they've got Star yeah. Wars. So they've got Finding Dory, Rogue One, Captain America, The Jungle Book was Disney, Zootopia was Disney, and Doctor Strange is Marvel, which is owned by yeah. Disney. So I just, I, I don't know. like, And then Moana was number 12. Also Disney. I don't know. I feel like if I had a studio, I would just like give up <laughs> and just completely do counter programming or something. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean they're they are they're doing an incredible job. I mean they have the stuff that people want to see. There's yeah. no doubt about it, and they seem to be executing a lot of them well. So that's a pretty unbeatable thing. Yeah, and I was thinking about it too. I mean, like you and I have daughters, and mm. I get every ounce of criticism against those old Disney princess movies, sure. right? And yes, there's racism in Peter oh, yeah. Pan and going way back, but. They've been doing this forever. Like there is something inherent about that Disney mantra that understands how you reach the widest audience possible, how you get kids and adults to watch and enjoy movies. And like, it's just like, it's crazy. Like I I think, you know, when you put it in the context of, of decades and and obviously I think we'll be approaching a century of them making movies before too terribly long, you know, hopefully in our lifetimes, knock on wood. I just, I I don't, I don't know who else is, is going to rival them at the end of the day, at least in terms of box office. Yeah. We can get into, you know, quality in in another day, but man. No, it's true. I mean, it it seems like it's going to take, it's going to have to be a time when people are finally like, I'm, I can't watch another star Wars Marvel movie. I can't do it. Because, like, Pixar yeah. still seems like, unless they just start making bad movies, like, the the strength of Pixar is just seems to be, like, they don't, they don't generally do sequels. So it's like, they just come out with strong movies. Well, and when they do do sequels, they end up with Finding Dory, the number exactly. one movie of exactly. the year. And also, I mean, yeah, but look at, and look at Disney's own animated stuff. You know, they've got Zootopia, and then I sure. know the Frozen sequel is going to happen, and that'll be mm-hmm. huge. But then they come out with the Jungle Book this year, which destroys. Yeah. And then they've got Beauty and the Beast coming out in a yeah. couple weeks. I can't imagine that's going to be that's going to do badly. So I don't know. It, it seems like they obviously had the pulse on 2016. It'll be interesting yeah. to see if if that's also the case this year. Yeah. So tip of the hat, tip of the hat. to the old Mickey Mouse castle. <laughs> Just take our money. They did. They continue to. All right, Craig. I, I think we're we're still a little undecided on what we're going to watch and do for next week's yes. episode. But um, check out our Facebook page. We'll we'll probably give you a little bit of heads up and keep the suggestion coming. We've got some good ones. Some of those we're we're just trying to find good copies of right now. So that's it. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to them. As always, thanks for listening. Come find us online. Neverheardpodcast.com. dot uh, com. Happy New Year and Happy Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have your uh, gifts coming up. Not too long. Yeah, boo. Uh, Amadea Halloween comes out January 31st. Oh. Yo. <laughs> you know what that means. <laughs> <laughs>